Welcome to the Get Real with Neil podcast with Neil McDonald, Principal and Senior Advisor at Fairway Financial Advice. With Neil's 30 plus years experience within the industry, his outlook on your financial well-being and your family's financial well-being is that prevention is always better than the cure. And so within this podcast, within this series, you'll be hearing from real people with real stories and real wisdom and real talk on how you can create a surety for your financial future. Hi everyone, it's Neil here from Fairway Financial and today I'm talking with Tim Henry. Hi Neil. Hey Tim. From Henry Law. Henry Lawyers. Lawyers. Oh, multiple, that's good. Um, For those of you who've been following the Get Real at Neil series, this is where I... um, Tune in and tap into some of my network of people that I've met over 25 years in business. It um, sort of astounds me as uh, I meet new clients and they tell me bad experiences they've had with people in the financial services world. And I think if they'd been talking to somebody I know, I just know that wouldn't have happened. So um, Tim's one of the good guys and he's here today to um, talk law, state, estate law. Yeah. The good types. Cool. Those who know a bit about Fairway Financial know about our financial cube, which represents the six sides to um, uh, or the six aspects of financial planning as we see them. Probably if you're listening on a podcast, you can't see that I'm holding up a colourful square box. <laughs> uh, and just very quickly, it talks about uh, income and how you're using it, retirement, I mean, meaning where you're going. Where you, when you know where you're going, it makes it much easier to come up with an investment plan. Debt is, uh, a lot of us have it. Some people, it's a noose around the neck and other people use it well. We refer to those around the outside of the cube as growing your wealth. Okay. And over the top is the protection plan. So that's overlaying that, looking after those things. And then eventually at the bottom, it will pass at some stage. So the estate plan is the last bit. And that's the tie-in for... Uh, Having a chat with Tim today. Yeah, you're nice. Thank you. So, what is the Tim Henry story? Where, where did you grow oh, up and um, the parents used to do what? Yeah, yeah. And... Um, born in Martin, over at uh, South Brisbane. So, cool. South Sider. Uh, yeah. I get a bit of slack on the north side for being one of those. That's all right. You've come to the good side. Crossovers this side when I got married. Uh, I got married about four years ago now. Yep. Um, so I went to school called St. Lawrence's on the south side, uh, and then still friends with boys from there. That's an old boys school. Sort of didn't give me the greatest uh, way to deal with females, so it took me a long time to actually find a wife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when I did, I settled down pretty quickly. Uh, I now have three children, and... Hey. Started my own place uh, about a year ago now. Very good. Yeah. And growing up, did you did Tim have a claim to fame? Was there was there a uh, yeah, was the Ducks of Year Five. Woo! <laughs> year Five. Yeah, uh, I was a um, good at volleyball actually. Volleyball, I was nice. Volleyball, which I was pretty happy about. Yep. I like debating, uh, public speaking, and um, I did a. Well, I was in the Lions Youth of the Year which was a like a sort of thing that they did for students around certain schools. And we had to do a speech. And I did my speech on love. Oh, okay. Which, what age are you? I was year 11. Year 11. And uh, the, other, 
the other topics were quite political and uh, uh-huh. you know on the of current matters and uh, mine was about sort of yeah love schoolboy love which uh, was taken pretty well but I think they were sort of wondering who are these guys from lorries because they are not taking this seriously because uh-huh. my the other captain of my school did it on backyard cricket. So, okay. so that, yeah, we were fairly yeah. different. But, yeah. I think in year eleven, I would have been safe with backyard cricket, and I would have to love a life yeah. myself. Yeah. And then, uh, what uh, what led you to law? Studying. Uh, towards that show, Boston Legal. Ooh, okay. So I like that show a lot. You like the suits? Yeah. No, no you're in a polo. You're yeah, in a, I try and Henry wears branded polo. Try and wear as little suits as possible. Yeah, uh, basically, the rule is you have to wear them to court. Any, oh. any other time, I don't wear them. Um, yeah. But yeah, I love Boston Legal, but I actually was obsessed with the show House, which is about a doctor. Yeah, you're yeah. aware of that one? Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to be a doctor uh, when I was a bit younger, but then I turned out that I wasn't very good at science. And mm. or studying for that sort of stuff. So when I realised that, I looked at my options, yep. and law looked like the next best thing because I like debating and mm. uh, that sort of stuff. And I turned out my mind's much better at law than it was at science. So it's worked out for the better. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And when you're doing law, that five years. Yeah. Oh, four, four, four plus, plus? plus a, another years or practical training. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When you start, I I guess that it's all aspects of law. Uh, But then at some point you've gone into the estate. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, succession law is what uh, lawyers call it. Right. But it is estates and wills essentially is what that is. Yep. Uh, So, yeah, I did succession law actually in uni. There's a there was a subject called succession law and I got a four for it, which is just mm. just a pass. Um, seven. So I was pretty pretty hopeless at it uh, back then. I actually liked criminal law when I first started my degree. Uh, that I seen that seemed to be the most interesting. But uh, when I got out into the real world and I did a bit of criminal law, uh, it sort of turned out that it it's it's not. It's not for everyone, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you're dealing with certain sorts of people, and it's yeah, it's a it's a lot of core time and just a, a lot of stress. So I moved into succession law straight away. So I did about while I was doing my practical legal training, I was with a criminal firm, and then they mm. teamed me up with a prominent succession lawyer in the city, and yeah. I was with him for a long time. Yeah. And he taught me the ropes, and I haven't looked back since. It's good to have that uh, mentorship. I guess most professions, that's sort of the progression, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's right. It's sort of, you, you sort of find someone who seems to know what he's doing and then if he's doing a good job, you can sort of emulate that and then move on and try and do it yourself on that. Yeah. Which is what's happening. When I um I did economics at, at uni and then I had a, a job at National Mutual, a big insurer for five years. And then my when I left there, I went and worked with um, a, a group of agents of a National Mutual. Yeah. And they, they were the ones that sort of encouraged me to get into the advice side of things. And uh, I caught up with my old boss, like my first the guy who sort of taught me the ropes um, just recently. <laughs> and I found myself just sort of mirroring him again. Is that right? Yeah, like it was like, wow. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, all those years, it was 25 years ago. Was he proud of you? Yeah, he was. I said, I said, I say that now. He was telling me stuff that happens. I still say that now. That's, but if it works, like it's yeah, that's, that's what you do. 
Mm. In my simple terms, I think of um, a state law or succession law as um, planning for what if, and then dealing for when, dealing when something happens. Yeah. So is, is that, are they, right. although the word if I would say is probably not as relevant because you have to die. Yes. There's no, but I, I'm think, yeah. <laughs> you're thinking you're about if you lose capacity or something like no, that. No, right? I'm, I'm thinking of um, uh, maybe you get involved with two different sets of people. There's the people who are dealing with, oh, well, if I die, I should have a will and enduring power of attorney, and you talk to them about setting up testamentary trust. Yeah. But then you might be dealing with it, maybe the same, but also a different set of people where now something's happened, yeah. and now we're dealing with when this has happened, yeah. how does the estate get managed? Yes, it's planning, and then the other side is administering. Administering, that's yeah. a better word. That's so right. that's, that's the way it works. And that's that's all I do pretty much, is I help people plan for their future, which yep. by future, we really do mean their demise. Yep. Uh, and then after someone has passed, we deal with the administration of the estate, which is dealing with everything that that person owned to try and convert it into cash or transfer it to the people that it needs to go to in accordance with the will, yep. or if there is no will, uh, in accordance with the rules of intestacy, mm. which are a set of rules that are set by our government that say, this is who needs to get your estate because you didn't have a will. Mm. And they are... Do you, know, do you know the stats like who's got wills and who doesn't like it? Oh, it's something like 50%. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. Bad. Yeah, it is bad. And it happens all the time. Because I'm helping people with beneficiary nominations from insurance and they're super. Like, yeah. And it's like, oh, that's easy. You can fill out a form, sign it, we're done. Yeah. But it's like, what about all the other stuff? Yeah, that's right. And even people don't even do that. It's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Super. They just do it online and then it sort of either lapses. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. I, I left it to my mum years ago and now I'm married with three kids. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so, that's helpful. Yeah. It's something that a lot of people uh, avoid. Mm. It's obviously not fun to talk about. Uh, a lot of people just don't like to think about it at all. My wife included. It took her a long time to uh, sort of get her instructions. Uh, it's, it is inevitable. You cannot avoid it. Uh, it's, <laughs> Nobody gets out alive. No, yeah. and it's much better to be planned. It's much better to have something in place because it does leave a mess, to be honest. Yeah. If you die without a will, it's messy. It's, it's a lot easier if you have something in place, no matter who you are, mm. no matter how little you have, it is always easier with a will. It's always manageable without a will, but it's easier without yeah. a will. So uh, clearly, best option is to see uh, see a solicitor, see a, a an appropriately specialised solicitor. Yes, I would agree. But then, yeah, <laughs> but then I've heard people say um, you can go to the public trustee and yes. they they can draft you a will. Yes, very and, much. And so. then also yeah. people talk about a will kit that sits on the counter at the post you office and stuff like too. that. Yeah. So Ooh. I'll give you a horror story. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, had one recently uh earlier this year actually there was a will kit that was done and it was witnessed by two people at the pharmacy cool. uh, they wrote their name their address and the date but failed to sign so they both put in their details but didn't sign oh. so that needed to go to probate and then get requisitioned which is when the probate register the person who tries to give you probate, says, no, this isn't good enough, needs to be requisitioned. 
then it needs to go before a judge and the judge needs to decide whether or not it's a valid will or not. Uh, that whole process costs those executors uh, approximately 10 to 12 grand, I think it was. And I, and that's, you know, that's relatively- a waste. Yeah, that's right, a complete waste. So if you would spend 400 bucks, if that man had spent $400 to get a will done by a solicitor, mm -hmm. uh, that would have all been avoided. 400 bucks? That's what I charge yeah, for a single will. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah. that, that's pretty standard, I think. Yeah. Um, very good to me. Yeah, yeah, you can get more than that. Uh, but um, mm. yeah, you could probably find cheaper than that too. I was driving past um, Lovely Road the other day and there's a sign out there saying wills for 150. And I was like, <laughs> wow, I hope no one sees that. <laughs> that is true. It might just be a photocopy and you just write your name. Yeah, that's like right. Maybe yeah. not too personal. It's always important to get the advice. I mean, you need to know your options. Doing just doing a will is isn't the hardest thing in the world. That the hard part is knowing what needs to happen, knowing what needs to go into the will to make sure it's relevant uh, and stays relevant for as long as possible. And also, um, I found when I did mine that it's the, the lawyer's understanding too of well that asset can pass to your spouse tax free, but if you leave that asset to your kids who are over eighteen, mm. then they could they will pay tax on it. Yeah. So why don't we mix this up a little bit and leave this one there and that one over there? That way everybody gets a better outcome. Yeah, and it's important. Real property is, is very different as well, sort of depends on how you own it. So it's important to know how that will pass. Uh, and yeah, you just like to know your options. It's nice to know what will go through your will and what won't. For instance, superannuation doesn't go through your will unless you make it. Yeah. So things like that, people aren't all that aware of so it's always good to just have that consultation know where you stand totally. and then it's up to you whether or not you want to go ahead mm -hmm. at that point yeah with them um, so wills are one thing where you're writing down if i pass away or when i pass away i want this to happen mm -hmm. uh i'll just call it power of attorney but there's probably a better different levels of power of attorney that are if if i lose capacity to act for myself yeah yeah so well, those ones two types of power they're a little bit more complicated when i was doing mine yeah like, there's a financial one there was a medical yeah. one yeah that's it yeah so there's a general power of attorney which you only use for if you're going overseas or if you're not around for whatever reason and you're giving power to someone for financial reasons just for a short period of time mm -hmm. that's general most people don't use them. They're fairly uncommon uh, yeah. in the industry. Enduring power of attorney is the other type. Right. And that is relevant while you're alive and after you've lost capacity, but then stops upon your death. So mm. if you're in an accident, an enduring power of attorney is what you're going to need if you yeah. want to give someone else authority to either deal with you personally, financial and health matters, or... Um, Oh, sorry, personal and health matters or financial matters as well. Mm. So, yeah, you might have done one document that covers both yeah, financial document. and personal matters. Yep. Normally, you appoint the same person anyway. I did. He did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, there you go. Well, yeah. Neil, just, Neil's obviously a hard client. Well, true, true story. <laughs> one of my brother-in-laws who I said, I want you to be um, a financial um, right. Power of attorney. Yep. He said it was a good idea not to pick me as a medical power of attorney because <laughs> if I'm in front of him in the footy tipping, he's turning the switch off. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You yeah. know who you are. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to have someone who's decisive in that manner. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he knows his stuff. And so when, when people are um, 
what do you call it before? Administering? Yeah. Administering the estate. What's the stage that people come to you or, or come to a solicitor? Yeah. Is it um, they've somebody in their their close network has passed away? Is yeah. it always the executor that comes to you, or is it how does that? Sure. Yeah. So the executor is the person that needs to administer the estate. They're the one with the authority to do so. So normally they're the, the people that first see a lawyer. Beneficiaries would only really see a lawyer if there was some sort of uh, problem with the estate or if they wanted to contest the estate, for instance. Yes. Uh, I don't act for beneficiaries, I only act for executives. Um, oh. I'm against the policy of claiming against an estate. So I only act for executives when it comes to administering. Uh, so an executor will come to you normally after the funeral's been done and sort of those initial sort of yeah, taken care of. Taken care of. Yeah, yeah. Normally, we need the death certificate to do anything. So you would normally wait until then before you saw a lawyer. A lot of people just give you an initial call saying, "Look, someone's passed away. I'm just letting you know that I'm probably going to need some help." Mm. Uh, and then we normally let them know what to do at that point. But yeah, it's always best to wait to the death certificate so then we can actually do things. Mm. Never need to. You rarely need to rush something in the state. You normally can just sort of take your time with it, allow yourself to breathe, and then see a solicitor, uh, unless there's something really nice. pressing, but most of the time there's not. Yeah, yeah. nice, yeah. And I've, uh, the, the, use, the common saying is where there's a will, there's a way, but I think um, in, in your form of law, it's where there's a will, there's a relative. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, well, we you say you don't, you don't advocate the challenges, which is good, but yeah. like, can, yeah. Can everything be challenged? Like, like, how do you protect yourself if you're yeah. doing a will going, there's somebody here that might come out of the woodwork yeah, yeah, and can yeah. you do certain things? Okay. There's two ways to contest. So there's, you can This say, is get real, okay? Yeah. Get real with yeah, so that's the hard hitting question. Uh, yeah. So you can claim that the will is invalid for whatever reason. So you can mm. say that the person didn't have capacity at the time. You can say that the person was unduly influenced, or you can say that the will is a complete fake and someone's made it up and signed. So that is the first way to contest the will, and that is a very difficult way, very uncommon way. Most people go to the second way. Second way is called a family provision application. Mm. So with FPA for short, this is where a certain person can make a claim against your estate by saying that they have not received enough money and that they should have received money because they were dependent on you in some way. Yeah. Now, those people can be your spouse. Spouse is interesting in this term because spouse means your husband and wife, mm -hmm. or it also means your de facto partner. So mm. if you're living with someone for six months? two years for estates, oh, that's, that's an important differentiation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For estates, must be two years up before date of death, living on a continual domestic basis. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're with a boyfriend or girlfriend and you've been living with them for two years and then you pass away, then they are your spouse, okay? So they can make claim against your estate. If you don't have a will, they're also going to get the biggest share of your estate through the rules of intestacy. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so spouse is an important word for estates. Uh, also important about spouse is husband and wife. Only when you get divorced do they stop being your spouse. So let's say you separate. Separate, yeah. yeah. Let's say you Been separate. Done that you haven't gotten divorced, mm -hmm. then you are still that person's spouse and will be regarded so for those purposes. Mm. And 
FPA. So spouse is the first person that can make claim the interstate. Second person is your child. Mm -hmm. Now, importantly, that includes stepchildren. So any, oh, yeah. any of your spouse's children can make a claim against your estate. And spouse is the same definition as just before. Your husband or any wife age, or your de facto kids. partner. Any age, yes. Wow, yeah. Doesn't matter how old they are. Doesn't matter how sort of what relationship you have with them, they can always make the claim. That's the important thing. They can make the claim make to the claim. frustrate your estate. Mm. They may not get very far with it, but they can always make the claim. And that's that's what I very much don't like about the system. Yeah. Got it. yeah. Last thing is dependents. So last eligible uh, person is a dependent. Now this is a very strict uh, process. So it's a dependent can only be a person who is under 18, who is dependent on you, yep. a person who is your parent who is dependent on you, yep. or a person who is the parent of a minor child of yours who is dependent on you. So let's say that could be your ex-spouse who is the parent of your child. Oh, yes. yes, yes they yes, can yes. make a claim if your child's still under 18. Yeah. So yep. dependence, very strict criteria. Um, wow. Yeah, so it's really just your spouse and children most of the time, mm. uh, unless you have people that are dependent on you and are mm. one of those three people. Yeah. So they're everyone that can make a claim. To be successful, they need to show financial need. They need to be able to establish that they need money from you and you didn't mm. give it to them. Um, that's not that difficult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh really? Uh, Christmas presents. Well, yeah. So, I mean, if you... If you own your own home, but you have a mortgage and then you have a bit of savings, you're probably going to be able to show financial need. You know what I mean? So it doesn't need to be someone who is completely on skid row. Mm. It can be comfortable people just as long as they have some debt and, you know, aren't, you know, really comfortable. Yeah. So, yeah, the financial need isn't that hard to uh, get over. And then it comes down to a bunch of different sort of uh, circumstances. So the size of your estate, your relationship with that person, uh, whether or not they were dependent on you, whether or not you gave them money, gave them gifts, whether or not they helped you out financially. Mm -hmm. A bunch of different character uh, sort of things come into play. And it takes time, all this stuff. Yeah, so basically you have six months after date of death to make a give notice of your claim. Mm -hmm. Then you have nine months after date of death, so an extra three months actually make the claim now the claim is done by a process of application so you, give, you make an application to the court once the application's made it's normally tried to settle straight after it if you can't settle you go to a thing called mediation yeah. Yeah. Uh, normally they settle there i've had only two that haven't settled at mediation in my life mm. uh, and mediation normally takes the whole day and normally costs about 30 grand um right yep Oh, that's the all oh, well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then trial. So yeah, trial, trial normally right. takes four days. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to do that. And I know from other discussions we've had before, Tim, that like some things that people can do, talking with financial planners and also with looking at their estate, is think about how assets are owned. Mm. So, like I know you've said before, like uh, the family home, mm. if it's in Joint names, right. so then there can be an automatic transfer. Joint tenants. Joint tenants is the important term there. 
So joint name, so you can hold property, real property in Queensland in two ways. It can be joint tenants or tenants in common. Mm -hmm. Joint tenants is when you both own the property equally. And when one of you dies, the survivor automatically takes the property. Nice. That's joint tenants. That's the important one. Yep. Tenants in common, less common way to own property for couples, for married couples or, or, or de facto couples. Yep. Um, but it's where you own a percentage each. So let's say you and I own property together. Yep. I own 25% of it. You own 75% of it. That 25% is going into my estate, goes through my will. Mm. Your 75% is the same. Your estate, your will. Yep. So if you have people that are contesting your estate, that 75% share will be subject to contesting. Beautiful. But if you are joint tenants, mm. which is the most common one and the first one, the way we recommend normally, it's, um, unless there's, there's other issues involved, mm. uh, it won't go into your estate and will be avoided. Now, not going into your estate is also good if you don't have a will, because if you don't have a will, then it won't go into the rules of intestacy and will go directly to the survivor of yeah, So, yeah, yeah, the problem is if you don't have a will and you have a property in your sole name or mm -hmm. as tenants in common, then your share needs to be split between your spouse and children. So then most of the time is going to need to be sold. Yeah. And that's where things get really messy because you don't want to have to sell your home yeah. Yeah. and then have to hold money on trust for your minor children. Yep. So yeah, it can get very messy. Yep. So it's really important to know how you own your property if you own it with other people. Beautiful, beautiful. And to do that, you can look at the conveyancing papers that you have when you originally had it. Uh, if you can't find any documentation on it, there's a thing called a title search that we can do. It costs about $36. So mm. if you're unsure and you need to know, that's the best way to do it. What is, um, that's cool, what is um, probate? Is there an easy explanation? Yeah, for I, just, I did a video on probate oh, yesterday. So probate is essentially uh, recognition from the Supreme Court. Yeah. Uh, it comes as a certificate. So it's a certificate with the court seal on it. Mm -hmm. uh, it basically says that a will is final and valid and it names the executor as the person with authority to deal with your estate. Yeah. Now, why is it needed? Probate is often required by banks and nursing homes uh, when, you hold, when they are holding money over a certain amount. Normally between 20 and 50 is when they draw the line and say, no, we need probate. Mm. Now, why they want probate is in the past, they've given money out without probate. And then it was later determined that they gave it to the wrong person. And then they were held liable for giving those funds to the wrong person and then had to give more funds to new beneficiaries in the new will. So the, it's all about protection. If mm. you have probate, you can rely on the court's authority. If you don't have probate, you've got nothing to rely on but the will, and the will could be invalid for whatever reason. Mm. So that's why probate is often required. Yeah. And it is... Same for insurance over 50 grand life insurance. Yeah, right. If there's not a beneficiary. Yeah, right. There you go. Insurer goes, we want probate. Yeah. And everyone goes, what? He yeah. would have wanted to leave it to me or she would have wanted to leave it to me. Like, yeah. It's, it's look, part of the process. It's I'm not very, sure I understand it. Yeah, yeah that's it's good. a very annoying process for a lot of people. Mm. Uh, it is at its really, it is red tape at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. It's a process that needs to be done for Tick the box. ticking the boxes. That's mm -hmm. right. Now, the other thing that it's important for is your executor. 
So let's say your executor has a will and they're named it as your executor. If they act on that will without probate and then it's determined later that that will was invalid for whatever reason. Right. So if it's later that there was a later will, for instance. Oh, yeah. So let's say you have a will and you name me as your executor. Yeah. And it says to give it to just one of your child, children. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I give it all to him un under that mm. will. Then later on, it comes to light that you've done a will that was dated two years after it. Uh -huh. And it says give everything to all of your children equally. Mm. I'm responsible for giving away those funds because I didn't get probate. If I'd gotten probate, then no one could sue me because I'd be relying on the court's authority oh. that that will was fine. Oh, yeah. And that's why probate exists. It's because oh, yeah. we want to be able to Check. tell the rest of Queensland that we are trying to make this will the last final will. So if you have a problem with that, you've got to let us know. So that's why we do this thing called advertising mm. and, we, and we wait two weeks before we actually make the application so people can come back to us and say, yeah, we do have a later will. Yeah. It's not a flawless system, but it's, it's, it's at least enough to try and sort of offer that protection. Yeah. So very, very good. Very good. Well, I've sort of come to the, uh, the end of my... Come to the end. Yeah. Is there any hot tips, any lawyers' insights? Uh, could... Yeah, always, always look for this or watch yeah. out for. I mean, I my hot tip would be always have an initial consultation. It's free most right, of the yeah. time, and it lets you know where you stand. Yeah, and then you know whether or not it is important to have a will, and you'll know what you're missing out on if you don't have one. The other thing yeah, we didn't call. talk about was guardianship, and I mean that's one thing that a lot of people do worry about is if you don't have a will, who's going to look after your children? It's not automatic. It doesn't automatically go to their grandparents or something like that. Mm. And if you have parents on both sides of your family or siblings, who's to say they're not going to argue or fight over who should look after those kids? So yeah. that's a very simple thing that can be put into a will. And if you don't have it, it gets very messy. Yeah, well, there would be a lot more, I expect to be a lot more emotions charged around kids than, exactly. than assets, you would hope. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, maybe not, but yeah, uh, you would hope yeah, that... Uh, very wrong about that. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. No, money's the ugliest thing in the world, and you see, I see it every day. I mean, mm. money completely ruins people's lives. They fight over it until there's nothing left or until they get what they thought they wanted, and then... So you have nothing really. So do it right. Yeah. Get do advice. It, do it right the first time. Do it right Save the first a lot time. of mess, a lot, a lot of pain, yeah. a lot of stress. Yeah, very good. I, it's an old insurance saying, but uh, maybe it's relevant. I think it is for um, the succession law, which is having these plans is about getting the right money in the right hands at the right time. Mm. That's what we've always said about life insurance: is the right money in the right hands at the right time. And it sounds that's that's the very good. The right tie in for um, introducing and closing off with uh, Tim Henry from Henry Lawyers. Thank you and, uh, yeah. If you, want to, if you want to know more, look us up and um, get real. Get real and I'll direct <laughs> you in the right way. Thanks, Thanks guys. And to learn more about how you can create a surety for your financial future, contact Neil McDonald at fairwayfinancial.com.au and be sure to press the follow button to listen in for more episodes.